0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from one million to one trillion. Today's guest is Larry Robertson, uh, is founder of Lighthouse Consulting, also a strategy and innovation advisor, and is now has now launched his third book, uh, which name is uh, Rebel Leadership, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times. This is a pleasure to have Larry on the show. So, Larry, welcome to
1: the show. Mike, thank you. It's my privilege to be here.
0: So, and I'm sure that the audience is super curious to get to know more about you and to learn from you and and from your books and the work that you've been doing. So, who is Larry apart from what I've described in the beginning of the show?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think the most relevant part to, to your audience and to, your show and work is that I've spent more than 30 years in what I think of as the entrepreneurial universe. And I've, I've done that in different positions. I've been, I've started up companies and been part of startup teams. I've been an investor in those companies as a, uh, as a a part of a venture capital firm and investment banking firm as well. And I've been an advisor in many, many ways, including my own business, Lighthouse Consulting, to uh, entrepreneurs and organizations that are looking to scale. And I tend to focus right in your range. It's I, I used to work with strict startups way, way back in time, but I prefer to work with those who have passed that million dollar mark or really have significantly established their idea as a true business. And they want to learn how to grow and scale it in a lasting way. And I focus on uh, growth in everything I do, whether it's my advisory work or it's my writing or it's my research. Everything is oriented around many of the topics that you cover on this show. So that's been my history for the last 30 years and, and what brings me here today.
0: Sounds, sounds really amazing. And, uh, and let's, let's start with, with the book and I'm, I'm sure that we always have uh, very fresh ideas to, to share with the audience. And so what what is this all about the the third book about rebel leadership
1: well that you know the the last thing you said there the third book i think is an important reference book my first book was focused on entrepreneurship and and the entrepreneurial mindset really mm-hmm. stepping back and taking a larger look at quite frankly What does it take to become a lasting, impactful, sustainable uh, organization that grows over time? The second book was focused on creativity because really that's at the heart of innovation and the ability to adapt and keep creating the opportunities for growth. This third book, uh, Rebel Leadership, is focused, as the name says, on leadership, but there's there's a distinct reason why I wrote this book. And that is that even though you know, in the last two years, we all know we've been living in uncertain times to, to throw that phrase out there. Really that's been the case for the last 20. The, la- the mm-hmm. first two decades of this new century have become enormously uncertain and it's just spreading with time. COVID is just an example of that. It, it is not the embodiment of all this uncertainty. And things are so volatile and uncertain, complex and ambiguous as the term goes, Uh, for every kind of organization that if you're not thinking about how your leadership has to adjust to that, then your chances of growing or scaling are going to be capped in some way. Um, Adaptability is is the key competitive advantage right now. And so it's not something you do when you have an opportunity or when you have a problem. It's something that has to become part of, of how you're built in every way across your team, your organization, your product line. So this book really focuses on how do we look at a new way of leading? And there are organizations that have for the past 20 years been thriving in these uncertain times. So how can we look at the patterns across them and use those as um, ideas and cues and even a framework for how any of us can grow in these uncertain times.
0: I, I love specifically the part of the adaptability and we we could stay here for a very long time uh, on the show And because, as you know, one of the key ingredients that we discuss on the show is really radical focus and both can be combined, right? So, because some CEOs and leadership teams um, don't resist to the temptation of one of the fatal mistakes, which is to change course a lot of times and without realizing what are the results of some of the hypotheses or the strategies that they are implementing, which creates a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion uh, on on the team, on the market, on the clients that don't understand what they are trying to do and, uh, and to serve. But as you said, it is also really important to be flexible and to adapt to to the situation. But at the same time, to kind of keep a bit the north star mission and and the focus on on that adaptability. And uh, as, as some of the CEOs that that tell me, uh, it, it sounds all simple. The the difficult part is to understand this. Contribute with nuances, and then to implement those uh, in uh, in their daily practices, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything. There's so much in what you just said, and this is a tricky challenge for organizations and companies in in any period of time, right? To keep that focus, even as you allow flexibility, it's even trickier now. Because rather than just a now and then thing, I need to be flexible now and then, I need to be adaptable now and then with these these timelines in between that give you room to Mm -hmm. anticipate and adjust, those timelines are gone. And the adaptation we're being asked to do is constant. So how do you strike that balance? And one of the key things is thinking about leadership in a different way. And here's really the heart of it. We look at leadership through a uh, hero lens, meaning we expect leaders to have the answers. We expect leaders to have the ideas. In fact, we expect them to have the ideas and the answers that actually make things certain. And leaders have grown up expecting that of themselves. We put this big equal sign between the leader and leadership. And leadership is actually um, a shared human capacity. And when you're in really challenging times, the key is not for one individual, to lead us through them, to decide when to adapt and when to come back to that North Star. It's really to create the environment where everybody is allowed to step up to leadership in their own way as the circumstances require. It doesn't mean everybody's gonna be the CEO, but everybody has that capacity to lead. And if you don't charge people with that, then they sit back and wait for instructions or they fear that if they take the lead, they'll be punished for it. So it's really a very new concept of leadership that we're talking about here. And those organizations who have adopted that that attitude and created that kind of environment, they're the ones that are thriving.
0: I love it. And again, there is, there is also so much on, on what you just described. That's one of my, my favorite concepts of trying to overcome the superhero syndrome. And this happens with the CEO and with any leader Um, in the company uh, assuming that we need to be able to solve everything and when we are trying to do that we are really creating a a strong obstacle or it it is unsustainable to to scale the company And, and that's one of the main issues so and the difference from the startup stage to the scale up stage: on the startup stage, it's all about the founding team. On the scale up stage, it's about the leadership team, and yes. there is a, a new layer. And during the scaling up stage, you also have to create the second layer, the third layer. And if you are if you are not able to equip, to train, to attract, to retain those leaders, that organization needs to keep growing. Uh, it will uh, strongly face a, a growth plateau. That will be very difficult to to overcome, and even with the right people, the the plateaus will will happen uh, yes. and and that's the difference between world class leadership and average leadership uh, that's that's on those moments that we really see uh, if the team is prepared to face adversity again as you said we will never always win uh, a lot of the times we will learn uh, right. but we will keep moving uh, forward so that's that's a great point but without we are already almost entering the radical focus world-class leadership concept before sure, sure. even getting into <clears throat> the many sides that are behind the rebel leadership but I was going with the flow as I was enjoy- enjoying so much. What you were um, just saying. So, what what are the main insights that you cover um, on on the book that describes the um, this concept that you that you have described of rebel Yeah, I should,
1: I'd be happy to share those. And and one of the things I do in the book, and I'll do it here, is that. I share them, meaning giving them a, a, a label or a name in the exact words that the leaders I spoke with talk about them. So they may sound a little bit odd when I say them, but there's really substance to it. And the same thing, I, uh, uh, an additional thing I would say here is, even though I'm gonna tell you these five key insights and I'll tell you them quickly, the, the key factor is that they go together. So this isn't like a to-do list where if you if you cover one of them, suddenly you're that much more improved. It's thinking about them in concert with one another that actually allows you to have that laser focus on your North Star and that added level of adaptability. So here's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, soul matters most, S-O-U-L, uh, soul. And what soul is, is this sense of identity but an identity as it connects to what you do and how what you do impacts others. So leaders say that this is the most crucial thing that they can figure out over time. And by the way, it's not like it requires a lot of deep thinking and you come to a singular answer. It's just that sense of identity ongoing in what you do and how that connects to others. Because if you don't have a clear sense of that, it's really um, almost impossible to rally and marshal other people around you to adapt, to advance, to grow, things of that nature. The second insight is that leadership, rather than being centered in one person or one position, leadership moves. So it's this job of leading being a collective task, that the organizations that are thriving see as most important. This is something that a lot of individual leaders who are transitioning from entrepreneur to leader want to avoid. And the reason is they think it'll cause chaos. If I pass the baton and let others seriously lead in the organization, even for a brief period of time, I'm afraid there will be chaos. And actually the the truth is the opposite. When you share this responsibility, when you spread it around and when you tie it to a clear shared purpose in what you're doing, it's actually the thing that allows you to ride uncertainty uh, more securely, to actually arrive at a place where where you grow rather than creating this chaos. The third insight is, and I'll put it the way they put it, it's the culture stupid. So it's this idea mm-hmm. of everybody, everybody knows that culture is important. I mean, Um, It's been said for years that culture eats strategy for lunch, that it can be this key factor. The difference in these organizations is that they look at culture as their chief competitive advantage, that it's the one thing that they know they can rely on in a truly uncertain world. And the way they put it is, Culture isn't who we were, it isn't who we wanna be, it's what we're doing right now. Every act, every decision by every person every day, if it's embedded in that way, and if it reflects who we really are, it's like a litmus test, so you have to use culture. That's really the third insight. The fourth Mm -hmm. is uh, find your power source and make it your superpower. And it's this idea that there's something deeper than a mission, a purpose, a business strategy, that anchors and powers an organization to do what it needs to do. And if you have a sense of that, then even when your market gets turned upside down, or if your business plan has to change in some way, you've got this power to draw on. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. For Airbnb, their power sources belong anywhere. That doesn't tell them what to do. It doesn't tell them what the business strategy should be. It says, if this is our source of power belonging anywhere, what do we do when we suddenly realize that we have to let go of a third of our employees because COVID has shut down the hospitality industry? As much as it tells them, what, how can we prepare to become more than hospitality as defined by the industry before we got into it? This belong anywhere is like a, a compass for them. Um, So that's just one example of it. And the final insight is the long view matters, but it matters most right now. So it's this idea of, yes, everybody has a place they want to arrive at someday, but if you're not building that into your everyday, if you're not giving a test, to your operations and to your your bottom line and to your product line and everything in between to see if it's actually pointing towards that long-term in a connected way, then you're never gonna get there. So it's the combination of these things, soul and leadership moving and culture being the key competitive asset and finding this power source and making the long view matter right now that create this framework for how you go about adapting and growing and scaling over time
0: love it that's that's really a lot to to think about uh here. so but definitely it also connects very well uh, with the radical focus bits with uh, with the world class leadership uh, principle and with the culture of execution that we have been talking about that now we have rebranded it to the execution uh, machine.
1: So yes I think it connects directly to those things mike absolutely.
0: So, but that's, that's perfect. Let, let's go deeper into, into those insights and uh, also connect them with with the principles that we have been discussing on the show for uh, for a very long time. And um, and that's great. I, I love again the the fifth one. That again, it's connected with all of them. It, this is difficult <laughs> to separate, uh, but. One of the issues that i see the most and we have already talked about the, um, the importance of of the mission the why the the north star mission what are we trying to achieve but also to have a kind of a cascading or a reverse engineering of the vision uh, <laughs> and, and that's what i like about your your fifth uh insight it's really connecting the long term with the midterm with the short term so yes. typically i like to start the exercise by okay who would you like to be in 10 years so what what is the big dream uh of of this organization right so uh, what would be the huge impact that we are one thing is why do we exist other thing is um why would it deserve us to exist in 10 years? What will be the impact that we will create in, in 10 years of this organization? Then going into five years or three years and, and going into one year and finally into the next uh, 90 days and start applying the OKR methodology and, and so on. And, and I think that sometimes we, we forget to do this uh, reverse engineering vision exercise that I strongly uh, recommend and, and create vision for the long, the mid and, and the short term to give us clarity how the short term decisions impact the mid term and the long term decisions. And how the long-term decisions impact the mid-term and the short-term yes, yes. Uh, decisions. Do you have any any other examples or ideas or, or frameworks that you'd like to share uh, with the audience on that?
1: Sure, I'll give you a couple of thoughts, and then I'll actually give you a, a framework that I think is very powerful in that sense. So if we if we put it in in terms of radical focus, but we tie it to what you're talking about, this. How does how does radical focus work across a timeline exactly. from the short to the medium to the long term? Uh, part of the answer to that is to say, well, even if I go through, let's let's pretend ambitiously we go through that exercise and we have some answers to how we think will be relevant in those time frames. It lead, should lead to the question of, well, how do we make sure that's going to happen? What is the power source mm-hmm. that we're going to draw from? What is it we need to have in terms of fundamentals of the culture of the organization to deliver on that? It's this. So, a lot of times we, we talk about a business plan as though I'm, I'm just going to use that term or strategic plan, a five year plan, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. We talk about it as though it exists somehow independent of the culture or independent of the things that the organization draws its power from, creates its value from. And it can't be that way. They have to be linked, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea of having this sense of two things that are much longer term in nature, culture and a power source, they continue to be there. You continue to draw off of them, to have clarity on that and tie it to what your answers are to what do we want to be in a year, and five years, and 10 years? What makes us relevant? What makes us valuable? Tying those things together is actually a pretty simple move that we skip over. And I'll give you a quick framework for how you can change that, how you can start to link these things together. Um, for my second book, I, I interviewed a, um, a lot of people, MacArthur Fellows in particular. These are people who mm-hmm. win an award for creativity. They call it the Genius Award. And one of the MacArthur's I talked to, I talked about how do you keep creating? How do you keep coming up with new innovative solutions? How do you make sure that as you try new things, people are all together? And she, she calls this. her name is Deb Meyer and Deb Meyer calls it the five habits of the mind. And they're five questions. So if you incorporate these five questions into every day and everything you do, you actually start to connect these pieces to one another, where we wanna be over this course of time, what's our power source? What do we want our culture to be? Here are the questions. How do we know what we know? So it's this chance to bring yourself back to what assumptions are we making here and are they still relevant? Are there new ones, have have old ones expired, things like that? How do we know what we know? Um, Is there a pattern, right? Because when we start to question our assumptions, sometimes there are anomalies, things that are changing, but until they form into a pattern, They don't really speak of a threat or an opportunity or anything like that. So it's, how do I connect the answer to that first question over time? How do we know what we know? Is there a pattern? Which she says always leads to some form of the question, what if? What if we did this to solve the problem? What if we did this to grow our market by 20% over the next five years? How do we know what we know? Is there a pattern? What if? And then, is there another way? So this is this idea that's key for entrepreneurs of don't fall in love with your idea. Pick the solutions that are actually gonna get you to that one year goal, that five year goal and that 10 year goal. So there's always another way. And this is the idea of re-engaging you in that cycle to at least know what those other ways are even if you don't choose them. How do we know what we know? Is there a pattern? What if, is there another way? And this is the most important one of all, who cares? Because if you don't connect your plan for one year, five year, 10 year, if you don't connect your actions to people that actually care internally, as well as externally, not just customers externally, but partners and investors and even competitors and what they're doing in the market, then you're really just spending a lot of time and energy being unfocused, not having that radical focus if you don't know who cares. So that's the framework that I think is Really simple to just put in your own head or in the head of everybody in your organization to start tying those pieces together.
0: This is really a great, a great one and super important. And we, we should never forget mm-hmm. that a customer is at the center of everything that we do. And, and definitely we also might want to have a, a very big time in the total dress ball market in, in the long term, but also conquering that large-time niche by niche and making every single niche that we are um, acquiring or evangelizing, making part of our community and and serving uh, as craving fans, because this this will be the way that we will accelerate also our impact. It's because uh, that specific niche is so so happy about the service and about the way we solve their problems Mm -hmm. that they will be the ones driving the growth um, of of what we do because they they want to share that with as many people as possible because that's just fantastic what they have the experience working with that team solving their own problems and the way it changes their lives so it it's it's really really incredible
1: Absolutely, and you want that to continue over time. So even when you find that niche, even when you leverage that niche, even when they're just as happy as, forgive the expression, a pig and shit, that you can do that for them, you wanna continue that over time. And if you aren't asking these questions to make sure that's still what that niche wants, that they're still happy with you in the same ways, that you're registering the things that they aren't happy with. Oh, and by the way, that you're looking beyond them for other groups that could feel the same kind of vibe, then you start to become disconnected from this constantly changing world around us. And so, you know, these concepts at one point, say 20 years ago, uh, in some cases were a luxury. That'll be nice if we could get to it. They're a necessity now, (laughs) they're a necessity. And they've always been the key to organizations (laughs) that scale and grow. absolutely. And this
0: is also connected with the importance of of the soul, because we need to keep reinventing ourselves and finding new ways uh, of solving problems for for that niche. Uh, with new updates on the product, on the services, uh, what what we are offering in the in the marketplace. And something that is really important is also what we discussed that everything of those five are really important. Is is really the the culture, the soul. Um, And combining what I've been evangelizing for a very long time, combining the life plan with the business plan of Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. leadership team, there is an exercise that I love to do, which is sitting everyone around the table and, and of course, having everyone repeat what they like the most about the, the shared vision of the leadership team on a business perspective. And then explaining why does it matters to every single member of the leadership team personally to them and yeah. what would be yeah. their personal vision achieving mm-hmm. the business vision so how it how would it make them feel why is that special and that's when we finally start connecting that we have much more than a business vision we also have life visions and we need to really be support for or support each other uh, on every single uh, member of the leadership team. Also, being able to achieve their life purposes, achieving the business, and that's when we we finally I think that we go into
1: another layer of of teamwork. Um, and it's, that, it's a, I, absolutely I would call it. You move when you do that. You move from the transactional to the transformational. And both are important if you're trying to scale an organization. You have to have the transactional part to get work done day to day. I'm not denying that in any way. I mean, if That's- you proceed without a plan, you're a fool, right? But if you're not also looking for it to be transformational, linking it to what matters to each individual, linking it to what the shared purposes of the organization, no matter what they're doing on any particular day, and then linking that, to the actual plan and execution and growth. I mean, what you're talking about really is radical focus on every level, at the individual level, at the cultural level, and at the business level that we spend so much time talking about. And when you do that, just to tie to your other themes, that is what world class leadership is all about if you create that environment where that's not just something you talk about in one retreat you know over a weekend but you make it part of the way that that your business runs how people are incentivized who you hire right how they interact with one another if it's embedded in everything you do that is world class leadership and by the way it's the only kind of leadership that is adaptable enough to deal with an uncertain world. And and we saw that during COVID. COVID was a big reveal for how inflexible even some of the most successful organizations were when it came to culture and when it came to alignment of radical focus from the individual to the group, to the cultural level. So I think in my mind that that's really what leads to world-class leadership. And if that's, if your systems are built around that, if they bring that into everyone, now we're at that next level of talking about, well, what are the best kind of systems and how can they be flexible to continue to scale over time? So it's all tied together. Uh,
0: That's a great point. And it makes me think also about the, the name that you choose for for your book uh rebel leadership right so sometimes what is mainstream it doesn't mean that is the right thing and it doesn't mean uh, going also to your five habits of the mind that there is not another way of doing it much better that mm-hmm. the market is not seeing it yet and that's why you need to have this rebel leadership to not uh, just go with the status quo, uh, but to kind of create a new path. Uh,
1: Absolutely. And-, and and really, I think of it, Mike, as a new term. It's a combination of the first two. And there, there are ways we interpret rebel that are both good and bad. What I'm mm-hmm. focusing on when I use the word rebel is the openness, the willing to, yep. c- to reconsider mm-hmm. assumptions, to experiment, to try to add that part, not not the dice rolling risk taker, but the Uh, conscious thinker about how how can we adapt towards better ongoing. And on the leadership side, again, it's not just one person in front with everybody following and waiting for instructions. It's the leader who's creating the environment where everybody can lead. Those two things combined are what we need right now and that's why I call it rebel leadership.
0: And we kind of discussed it already the, the two uh, ingredients of uh, of the three principles, and, and we, we kind of combining the importance uh, and good that you highlighted that of really serving a niche of having clarity on, on the long, on the mid, on the short term, mm-hmm. of having that power source, that culture, that, that soul that unites the team uh, that is able to overcome the superhero syndrome but you also said uh, when we were discussing those ones that we also need to have that execution machine in place uh it needs to be transformational but at the same time we need to have a, a, the discipline so uh, there is a kind of a phrase that i like a lot which is um, you need to pay the rent for success so this success is not something that you just get there and now it's with you, no. So if we want to keep having the same results, we need also to have the flexibility, adaptability as we discussed it, understanding that maybe to get to the next milestone, we need to change certain habits that we have and to transform our frameworks. But we also need to keep consistency and the discipline uh, over Absolutely. the way. if not the team will not work.
1: So And to well, do that, it, to do that is hard work. It's hard work. So in my mind, that's part of paying the rent. And and many of the things that you talk about over your episodes, many of the things we've talked about today, let's just take radical focus as one. Um, There are many organizations that think of that as it's just something we do annually, or we do whenever we're in trouble. Right. But radical focus works when it's every day. And that takes hard work. That means you're really paying the rent in installments. You're paying the rent every single day as you think about whether or not you're you're truly delivering on that radical focus, whether or not you're truly building that world class leadership on a daily basis. You don't just put a stamp on it and say the job is done.
0: I really recognize the world-class teams when, you know, when we are doing those weeklies and we are looking to the same OKRs and there is a a stubborn key result that is not moving forward. And, you know, you start feeling that uh, tense environment around the team and also that, that kind of feeling of what the hell are we looking into this, Key result yeah. again this week. We know that this is not moving forward, and we don't have other ideas about how to overcome this. But this is really important: this mental and emotional resilience. Of again, it's not about you know uh, punishing us. It's about mm-hmm. looking to this again and again and again with with clarity and trying to find out a solution. And having the belief that as a team, we will find a solution to overcome this battle. And that's nothing wrong because, you know, the best teams are the ones who are facing the, the biggest problems. So if we are facing bigger and bigger problems, it is a very good sign that we are doing very good uh, a very good job, right? If everything is easy, maybe that's, that's a good time also to be scared, right? Because yes. it maybe shows... That what we are trying to solve is not uh, ambitious enough
1: yeah I I it I think it's absolutely true and, and you know like as you describe that I placed myself in one of those meetings where you feel like god <laughs> why, we're, we're talking about this again and we don't seem to be going anywhere and one of the one of the things that happens in those meetings is you realize if you just take yourself out of the conversation and you watch the conversation is really among a few people. And everybody else is saying, "Why? What? what the hell are we doing here? Because the culture is not one that connects all those people to why they're doing it and how they're pursuing that solution. I mean, they get assignments, but that's different than helping to shape the opportunity and how you pursue it and how you deliver on it. So it doesn't remove the fact that there's hard work and tense moments and things like that, but that focus spread across an entire culture changes why people come to the table in the first place, why they wanna get up and solve the problem again. And if it goes one step further back and every person is at least encouraged to think about their soul, right? Remember that it's mm-hmm. your identity as it relates to what you do and how what you do impacts and connects to others. If people are thinking about that in the context of their work, the load gets lighter even if you still have to carry it up the hill. That's
0: that's a great one. Larry, I'm I'm really enjoying to having you on the show, and I feel that we could go on and on and on and on. But uh, I, we we need to to go into our favorite question. But before that, I will also uh, like to give you the opportunity to add something that we had not discussed about rebel leadership that you'd like to highlight before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, I think the simple thing I would say is that if out of this conversation, the the, the five insights or the themes that you and I have talked about, connecting it to you know, the themes you emphasize on your show, if if that sparks your interest, go check out the book. You can check it out on my website first, which is my initials, L R Speak, and then the word speaks, lrspeaks.com. Um, and then you can easily get it on Amazon. But it's a it's a short book. It's a quick book, but it will take you deeper into these ideas and what you can do with them. So that's the further thing I'd add.
0: That's a good one, and uh, and I strongly recommend uh, this concept. It can be also an inspiration for for the teams who are looking to that extra fuel or extra motivation or extra frameworks to to lead their teams because I also I have a lot of these questions on my one-to-ones with uh, with CEOs uh, on you know how to create uh, how to foster a more positive culture, a more exciting culture, and those kind of topics are really difficult to to answer. And that's that's good that uh, people like you, Larry, uh, offer so many good insights to to those leaders uh, who are lo- feeling a bit lonely, leading uh, their teams and trying to change the the world. But before we go, thank you, Mike. If you would have the opportunity to sit down with the uh, younger Larry, at any time in the past, what advice would you offer to your younger Larry over coffee?
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it's pretty simple in a way. Uh, be more open. So remember I, I said that I kind of grew up in that entrepreneurial environment and a lot of the focus in that universe is on delivery, right? And hitting those numbers or getting that, that product out of beta into you know something bigger. Or once you do that, scaling over time and so to think about as you do that being more open to new information to the assumptions you made might be changing even to a completely different way even that you might not be the person to deliver on it I think has been something key that I've learned over time that I wish I I wish I knew sooner that's a hard thing for leaders to do that's
0: that's a great one Larry, thank you so much for making the time and for sharing your insights with us. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: It's been my pleasure as well. Thank you, Mike.
0: And this is Larry Robertson. Uh, We have been discussing uh, his third book, uh, "Rebel Leadership, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times. And as you see, we keep bringing you the best of the best So you can make it a little bit easier, not easy, going from 1 million to 1 trillion. So we wish you success um, and wait for you to listen to the next episode and uh, wish you to keep scaling. See you soon. Bye.